0: Good morning, everybody. It's Friday the 24th of March, and we're celebrating 1,000 episodes of The Smart 7 today. So we wanted to do something a little different and find out what actually matters to you. You may have noticed we released a survey last week to find out what you think about the state of the nation. Thousands of you sent in a response. Thank you so, so much. We asked you seven questions, and this is what you had to say. Safe to say, the nation's pretty angry, but hopeful, which is nice. The
1: Smart 7.
2: It's news, but not the news.
0: first question was, what do you think is the most important issue in the UK right now? And here's what you said.
3: 9.1% infrastructure, 9.5% the government, 10.7% immigration, 19.4% the NHS, 22.6% the economy.
0: Senior research economist Ben Zaranco at the Institute for Fiscal Studies says we have three immediate economic challenges. The first is inflation and the cost of living crisis.
1: As a country that imports lots of our energy and lots of our food, the global price of those things has become much more expensive and so we have become in effect poorer and we're on track for the two worst years on record for household living standards since comparable records began.
0: According to Ben, the best thing that could happen to UK inflation and household budgets in the short term is a change to global prices, but that's out of our control. Instead, we have to focus on getting inflation back down to 2% and getting productivity up. Which brings us to our second biggest challenge, low productivity. If you look at the
1: UK as a whole, and you look at how much stuff we produce per hour worked, it's considerably below a country like Germany or a country like United States. It's particularly centralised and reliant on one corner of the country for lots of its economic dynamism, which isn't, isn't the case in some other places. It's also true that the UK has historically had very low levels of investment. So a classic example is if you go to Scandinavia and you want to get your car washed, you'll get it washed by effectively a robot, whereas lots of places in the UK you might get it washed by a couple of blokes with a bucket and a sponge. One is more productive than the other in the economic statistics. And that really underpins why wages haven't been growing particularly quickly, why living standards haven't been growing as quickly as we'd like. And our third challenge is the impact of an ageing population. People are living much longer, and that's something to celebrate. They're needing much more expensive medical care. They are needing state pensions and pension support for longer, needing more social care, and that's putting a lot of budgetary pressure on the government and it's pushing government spending upwards. According to Ben, if we want to
0: see spillover into other areas that you've flagged as major issues such as the NHS, we have to start with strengthening the economy.
1: The best thing for the NHS would be for us to have a strong, growing, productive economy that provides the tax revenues that would be required to pump money into the NHS and raise quality, invest in the new drugs and the new equipment and investment in staffing that will allow the health service to recover from the pandemic and then continually improve as the years go on. And so we shouldn't be seeing these things as separate, we should be seeing policies that act to boost economic growth and boost business performance will bring back the tax revenues needed to invest in our public services.
0: Then we moved on to a pretty pertinent question. Should there be a general election this year? A whopping 86.7% of you said yes. Nearly 907,000 people signed a petition last year asking for an immediate general election to be called.
3: And the numbers make this one of the most popular petitions considered by the Petitions Committee to date. The petition is very clear in its demand. It states... Call an immediate general election to end the chaos of the current government so that the people can decide who should lead us through the unprecedented crises threatening the UK."
0: It was debated in Parliament in October 2022 but rejected. The government responded with, The UK is a parliamentary democracy and the Conservative Party remains the majority party. The Prime Minister's pledge to ensure opportunity and prosperity for all people and future generations. But according to our survey, the large majority of respondents don't want to wait until 2024 for the next general election. You want one right now. So could a general election be forced? Well, Labour leader Sakir Starmer could introduce a motion of no confidence, which conventionally would lead to a debate and MPs from all parties deciding whether they want the current government to continue. A Prime Minister must have the confidence of the House of Commons, so they need the majority of MPs to vote in favour of keeping their current government. If the government loses the vote, a general election would normally be called. However, for a no-confidence motion to pass, Conservative MPs would need to vote down their own government, which, as we've seen before, is highly unlikely. So it's looking like we're going to have to stick it out with Rishi, or at least the Conservatives, for a little while longer. The next question was this, do you think the BBC licence fee should be scrapped?
4: The licence fee has been in place for best part of 100 years, and it may well be come 2027 when the BBC's current Royal Charter is renewed. Uh, that the government may look to introduce a different funding model for the BBC.
0: That's Jake Cantor, Investigations Editor for Deadline Hollywood. 66.5% of you said the £159 fee should be abolished. It's a stance that many, including Gary Lineker, agree with. The licence fee allows us to watch BBC channels and BBC radio advert-free and allows the BBC to remain independent. But many argue that it's an undemocratic model with an especially outdated punishment. Jake explains more.
4: So if you fail to pay the licence fee and you are still engaging with the BBC, you can go to prison for that. And what we see in the research is that actually it disproportionately impacts women because women are at home when the licence fee, men and women come and knock on your door and say, where's our money? And generally women are more often likely to be the bill payer. And so there's this need to address that gender imbalance in the way that prosecution is being pursued over the license fee.
0: There's no telling exactly how a new model might work, but Jake has a few thoughts.
4: They could go down that route and basically turn the BBC into a version of Netflix. They could look at advertising, though that will probably be deeply unpopular with Channel 4 and ITV, because if the BBC comes in and uh, starts taking up advertising revenue, then ITV and Channel 4 are going to lose out. You could see the licence fee become something like a council tax. Another suggestion which is actually garnering a reasonable amount of support is a sort of pick and mix. The government will provide the BBC with some basis of public funding, and that public funding will be used to fund what is sort of known as market failure genres, things like news, current affairs, arts programming maybe. So can we expect to stop paying
0: the licence fee without being sent to jail?
4: It sort of depends who the government is. It's clear that the Conservative government would like to dispose of the licence fee if they can. It's not so clear that Labour feel the same. And if Keir Starmer was to win the next election, then I think that would probably guarantee the safety of the licence fee. That's my bet and it would stick around in some form for another decade.
0: So, climate change. Have we denied and delayed for too long? 54.2% of you said yes. So we called up Professor Yadvinder Marley from the University
2: of Oxford to explain why we're wrong about that few. It is never too late because every action we take reduces the amount of climate change, the severity of climate change that we will face. And actually, in our entire lifetimes, it'll never be too late to do something important. So that day when it's too late is not going to come in your lifetime or my lifetime. But every action we take or don't take will affect how severe climate change is. I think saying it's too late is a deliberate act of inaction. Some people genuinely feel that, but I think uh, there's also vested interests who want us to believe it's too late so that we don't take the type of strong actions that are required to to deal with the issue. It's better to have people feel disempowered and disengaged than rather be activated and active citizens.
0: The Climate Change Act commits the UK government by law to reducing greenhouse gas emissions by at least 100% of 1990 levels, net zero, by 2050. That goal was set up to help us avoid one and a half degrees Celsius temperature rise, but it looks like no matter what we do, that increase in temperature is looking pretty inevitable, which is probably why so many of you think
2: that it's too late. Once you start getting above 1.5 degrees, you start seeing increased risk of damage, whether to coral reefs or just low-lying islands flooding, more extreme events. and. Uh, uh, and we're already now at about just over one degree of warming already. So there's only a little bit left to get to 1.5. Beyond that, there's more risk of more heat waves uh, and droughts and, and floods, etc. So the risk increases gradually. And 1.5 is an attempt at a line in the sand to try and say, let's not increase the risk so much. But if we do overshoot 1.5, and I confess probably we will, 1.6 is still better than 1.7. 1.7 is still better than 1.8. And then after we reach that peak to start cooling, afterwards by drawing down carbon out of the atmosphere.
0: But in order to limit global warming, we need to act on a larger scale. We might have given up
2: plastic bags, but sadly it's not just about individual action. We need to ensure our food system isn't such a contributor to climate change in terms of degradation of soils, in terms of degradation of of nature, and, and at the same time restore areas of the world that are degraded so they absorb carbon, slow down climate change and protect areas such as the tropical rainforests and the big stores of carbon. But also beyond the natural world, I think we need to accelerate the transition to clean energy. And the amazing thing is the solution is already there. We already have energy that's cheaper than fossil fuels. Everywhere. And it's a mixture. It's the only reason that why it's not going faster than it is is inertia and vested interests. I think that the biggest one is to just have a wide, increased recognition that fossil fuels need to stay in the ground.
0: Not ideal when every Prime Minister who spends an hour in office tries to grant licenses for companies to drill for oil in the North Sea. Yes, we're looking at you, Liz Truss. Still to come on our thousandth episode of the Smart Seven. A bit of AI, a bit of patriotism, and how stressed are you?
3: Tap the banner to go to monday.com.
0: Welcome back. To celebrate our thousandth episode, we're looking back at your responses to our survey judging the state of the nation. Ask yourself this. How do you feel? I mean, how do you really feel? Not just about today, but on a scale of zen to stressed... Are you feeling pretty relaxed or is it all getting a bit too much? Well, the majority of you, 41.7% actually, rated yourself an incredible four out of five on that stressometer. Relatable. A recent study by Glassdoor's economic researchers analysed over 382,000 employee reviews to reveal that reports of burnout among British workers has increased by 48% to record levels in 2022. According to the government website, one million workers lose 18.6 days per year to stress. Depression or anxiety. That's equal to 17 million working days lost between 2021 and 22. And what's stressing us out? Well, according to the Mental Health Foundation, the biggest causes are health, debt, and pressures to succeed. Maybe it's time for a moment to chill. Yeah, should we do that together? Let me just grab one of my mum's old yoga tapes. Breathe in for four,
3: hold for five. Take a breath. Inhale. Push down on your heels, lift up. Lift the hips up to the ceiling. Now consciously tighten the knees, thighs, buttock muscles, seat muscles, stretch with the arms, squeeze with mouth and eyes.
0: ChatGPT and Dali and mid-journey, all these AI bots have been everywhere the past couple of months. So our penultimate question asked you this. Will AI make the UK a better or worse place to live in about a thousand days? 63.6% of you said yes, it'll be better. 30.8% of you said no, it's going to be worse. And 5.6% of you worryingly said that AI will have eradicated the human race by then. That's cheery. So who better to ask? We asked ChatGPT to give us some benefits and drawbacks.
3: It said... it will end- Increase productivity by automating tasks, allowing workers to focus on higher value work. It will enhance public safety by analyzing crime patterns and predicting potential threats.
0: However, it may also lead to job displacement as AI takes over more routine tasks, particularly for those in low skilled positions. And that may lead to increased inequality as the benefits of AI may be concentrated in the hands of a small number of people.
3: Anything else, ChatGPT? AI systems may perpetuate bias biases, and discrimination particularly if they are trained on biased data or programmed by individuals with their own biases. Autonomous weapon systems powered by AI may be developed.
0: Autonomous weapon? mean maybe 5.6% of you are right about AI destroying us. ChatGPT, are you going to destroy the human race or what?
3: There is a small but non-zero risk that an advanced AI system could become so powerful and intelligent that it could pose an existential threat to humanity potentially leading to the extinction of our species. Uh that's not enough. What?
0: And finally we wanted to know what you really think of the country. Despite 8% of you wanting to move to the US. <laughs> 9% of you wanting to jet off to China? It's good to know that the tantalising prospect of Brian May performing at the King's Coronation has kept 35% of you in the UK, all Britannia. All of us here at The Smart 7 want to thank all of you for listening over these past thousand episodes and please do keep on listening to more. Big shout out to Acast, big shout out to Spotify, big shout out to Apple and of course all of our partners and advertisers that have chosen to work with us and congratulations to Lizzie in Hertfordshire. You were drawn out of the hat for taking part in the survey and you've won £100 in Amazon vouchers. We'll be in touch. You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am. Hit that follow button and have a great day.
3: Give us seven minutes and we'll give
0: you the world.